0: To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help, because I was like, this could totally ruin my career.
1: Somebody to have a more proactive approach, and that he was coming to me to be that person. They found him, and he committed
0: suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, I am Tim Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast, and... Project. I'm here for another another story for you, uh, for all of us to learn from. This week brings Marine veteran Robert Consomano, who's sort of overcome a lifetime of abuse, uh, starting when he was younger, uh, abuse within the family, and then uh, a little, you know, some some challenges uh, in the Marine Corps, and then sort of some personal abuse after after he got out with uh, just you know mental torment and uh some suicide ideation etc uh he, i'm going he's going to he did a great job of explaining everything that went on He wants everybody to know that uh he loves his marine corps and, and does not uh does not blame it for any of his troubles uh but he's just another veteran who uh has experienced some mental and emotional health issues that's that's overcome some challenges and wants to be another inspiration uh for others that are going through the same so i'm going to let robert take it away I'll uh, I'll be back after the interview with some of my reflections.
1: I mean, however you want me to start. I'm I'm eager to do this, and um, you know I'm gonna probably start from where it all began. Um, you know, as far as my service in the Marine Corps, we all know how the Marine Corps polices things, and I can you know talk about that. But I'm really not going to uh, disparage or anything like that because I love my Marine Corps, what it did for me, to helped me get out of that situation, and it made me who I am today. Right. right. um, But basically, you know, I'm 42 years old. Uh, I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, I grew up and had a very, 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 very traumatic childhood. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing that up, you know, is because most of it was from that, and then it got worse. Um, starting from, I would have to say, as far as my mind can go back, uh, remembering. I mean, believe it or not, I actually remember being in a crib once. Um, you know, sitting in a crib. But, uh man traumatic how can i start off well my mom's been with three men was only married twice uh the second man man she was with who was my stepfather she was with him for about 13 years um she left my real father she got pregnant at a very young age i believe 16 you know growing up in um you know very rough neighborhood in the 70s you know very it was just very tough she left him for the man across the street well the man across the street You know, had the race cars had all this stuff, you know, I worked for a lumberyard, but, um, I'll leave it at, (laughs) he is an Italian man, if you know what I mean, so I think, you know, she was allured to the whole power thing or whatever it might be. Well, little did she know that getting involved with this man created issues for my father. One, he lived on the same block and couldn't deal with it. Um, Started falling into depression and stuff like that. I mean, I was only eight years old, nine years old when he died. So, But um, unfortunately, uh, he became schizophrenic and uh, took his own life in a mental institution. Uh, he hung himself with a hanging ligature, which is a pair of pants. Um, so, you know, growing up as a child without a real father in my life, um, you know, I had this new stepfather. And I'll tell you what, the man was... He had his own issues too and I don't know if it's just a product of growing up in this neighborhood but um, he beat his mom I've seen him beat his mother up um, you know throw a TV stand at her um, I've seen him uh, pummel a guy in a driveway over a parking spot with a shovel lay him out blood everywhere cops come don't do nothing and um, beat my mother religiously I mean it could be I remember vividly I mentioned this on the news he beat my mom up over a Jets game, uh was actually the Mud Bowl when the Jets lost to Marina. Uh threw the TV down the stairs, beat the heck out of her, blood everywhere, um, beat her up one time, um when we came home from a Rangers game from Madison Square Garden, uh it was freezing out, she couldn't open up the gate, he just snapped and pummeled her right there in the street. Um, you know, the gentleman with the um the shovel uh gets even deeper. You know, finally I guess oh well, let me talk about me. Well, he kicked me down a flight of stairs. I was in a body cast. The guy who babysat me is a former professional boxer, and he heard about my story. He called and he was crying. and goes, "Bro, I used to feed you in that cast because uh, he was about 17, 18, and was fighting. And he lived next door, and um, you know, broke my arm. He busted my uh, broke my right arm. Uh, he beat my brother religiously. So you can see the pattern here. The guy was just uh, he was an animal." Um, started getting worse. Uh, my mom started getting to the point where I guess she started growing, uh, you know, trying to figure out a way how she can get out. Well, she met this gentleman, you know, who would be the man she married and was with for about 20 years. Um, he worked for a bus company and, um, you know, he found, got wind of it. Obviously, you know, the second, my stepfather got wind of it and started getting very, um, you know, psychotic, I guess you could say, Yeah, you know, my, um, they kind of broke up, but he would stay at my, my his mom's house, that kind of thing. But when nighttime came, he would be sleeping in his car with a gun, uh, waiting outside to see if he showed up, that kind of thing. And what she was doing, I mean, it was it was just that. But he was jilted. Um, so one night we're sleeping, I'm in pajamas, it's dead of winter, and you know, when you're a kid, everything's heightened. And I remember it vividly, sticking in my head. I remember my mom picking us up, and literally we just ran out of the house into a van that was, the engine was off, and he I guess he had one of his co-workers in the passenger seat. Somehow they got to push the vehicle as we got in to get, you know, further enough distance away where they could start the van up and take off. And when we hit up, uh, hit out in upstate New York in a trailer park for a couple of months, my mom not caring about what, you know, uh, the child study team would do, uh, you know, that kind of thing, because I always watched but a child study team, I had to go every week to make sure, to, you know, the bruises and stuff like that, um, you know, because it went on. Back then, I guess they tolerated it a little bit more. Um, so we hit out. Next day, my new stepfather, who was with my mom for, like I said, the 20 years or so, or whatever, shows up at his job. And uh, the person, you know, the stepfather pulled up with the gun and um, shot him. But when he shot him, I guess, you know, as soon as he saw the gun fire, he his reaction was he turned and he tripped. So the 20, it was a 22, it wasn't a big bullet, it grazed his, his skull, um, and he just stood down, then he, uh, drove off in his vehicle to Moonocky, New Jersey, thinking that he had killed him, and he took his own life. So, um, you know, then, you know, after that was over, uh, you know, we moved, you know, back into a new place, you know, but unfortunately, I don't know if my mom developed scars, I think she started developing her own issues, so, I started, uh, not deviating, but like, you know, not really having a good relationship with her. She was just nuts. And um, she made my life traumatic, you know, not cooking, this and that. So I was fending for myself, sleeping in the car, trying to figure out how I can get to high school so I can finish and finish my DEP program to get in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps was going to be my escape. And, you know, you know to me, I looked at it like I'm getting three meals a day. I get a gym membership and I get to dawn on some dress blues and call myself a Marine. Um, and I did it. Uh fortunately, you know, going into the Marine Corps, you know, um, I guess I went in with some issues. And, uh, you know, I was always in trouble. But I want to backtrack for one second. One major thing, too, that I really wanted to be aired, something that bothers me, too, uh, is my mother's uh, father, my grandfather, who I really didn't know. Um, he tried to molest me. Um He was touching me and trying to get me to touch him. So I'm bringing that up also uh, only because, like, that's just something that really... Bothers me as a man. Why, you know, a grown man would, run, you know, with a young boy, and um, you know, so I just backtrack with that. But getting into the Marine Corps, you know, it was just tough, man. You know, it was just in confrontation a lot. I had page elevens. My page elevens were probably two pages long. Um, I went in front of two to three NJPs. I was kicked out of Avionics School because that's what I qualified for. I did re- really well on the ASVAB, um, and then they sent me to Supply and um, you know, I was in an MOS that, you know, I really didn't want to be in. But, you know, you can't make a lab move to you re-up and do things like that. But um, I did a five-year program. I got a $5,000 bonus that I blew, um, you know, because, um, you know, when I signed up. So four, it took me about three to four years to really try to adapt, um, you know, from being hazed. And, you know, I'll leave it at that, you know, they was just trying to rectify me. Uh, you know, if they can, but you know, I was physically strong, mentally tough, so, you know, they just said oh, he's just a rock, you know, the whole deal. But, um, you know, every day was like walking on eggshells. I mean, I would have like panic attacks, you know, because I thought I was getting written up and this and that. But, um, you know, I mean, I still, I mean, I still love the Marine Corps, just, you know, maybe I shouldn't have got past MEPS. I don't know. Um, you know, going and being told by the VA that you have post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and bipolar. Um, I have dreams of the confrontations, you know, with the higher ups, you know, in the Marine Corps, you know, threatening being court martialed, kicked out, getting the BCD, the whole deal. Um, you know, getting kicked out of avionics school. Uh, I actually went to MSG school, and I believe that's what you did. You went to MSG school, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I was a I was at MSG for the for the bulk of my
1: career. I did well. I did very well. I went to Quantico. Um, I was running, you know, I was a PT freak. I ran a 16 minute three miler the day I got there. My uh, I spent 30 days, you know, when I got back from Okie, you know, just making sure my gear locker was straight. But unfortunately, I didn't get past the period valves because, um, you know, I guess I was just who I was, and that upset me because you know I'm like, man, to, to do MSG duty and be in an embassy and represent the country, and that's that was my dream. Unfortunately, you know, the things I was doing was pretty much outside of my control, you know, and um, got out of the Marine Corps, went to college, used my GI Bill. I did well in college, but I found myself getting into altercations with the professors, you know, and I left college, and um, bouncing around from menial labor jobs, you know, disgruntled, pissed, you know, like, you know, man, you know, I just want to be somebody. I want to do something, but I was always running into issues. Um, Then I found a job, or should I say career, before the company went bankrupt. Um, I got into high-end sales, um, and I had very, very good money because, you know, I got paid to talk and do something I loved to interact with people, and I did, I sold products that I enjoyed. I sold high-end audio-video products to affluent people in Princeton, New Jersey, and um, the company I worked for was called Brimmore Stereo, and they finally merged and became Tweeter, which is now out of business. They got too big for their britches, but... I mean, that, I was, you know, at that juncture, I was doing so well. But unfortunately, I got fired three times from that company. (laughs) Uh, for fighting with the managers and went went after my manager once. And unfortunately, the manager was a good friend of mine. He was an Army Ranger. So, um, they hired and fired me and brought me back because I was just good at what I did and they just dealt with my antics. Well, the company went bankrupt. That's when everything went hit the fan. You know, now I'm bouncing room to room. You know, because I couldn't afford my rent, my car got repossessed, you know, because I was making a lot of money. And, um, you know, that's when I really had that, you know, that uh, outbreak, I guess you could say, or, you know, like really hitting low. Uh, I decided to just take off. I drove across the country six times. I lived in Vegas. I lived in Arizona, been to California, uh, lived in um, Minnesota, St. Louis, uh, Tampa, Florida for two years, Chicago twice one year stint and another year stint um i just been all over the place and bouncing and um one day when i was in vegas my dav dav rep cuz i guess he put in a claim for me calls me one day and goes buddy you you're 100% you're bipolar and ptsd and i mean i've had surgery on my legs and stuff i had a cardio condition but i don't really talk about more my physical stuff because you know there's a lot of vets that have you know physical things but the biggest battle for me is um you know the mental aspect, fighting a battle inside, and there's a lot of vets out there like me. Now, my thing is, I've never seen combat, um, and I have the utmost respect for that. But my combat's completely different, and it went on for many years, and then it escalated when I went in. Um, nobody's fault, you know. Um, it is what it is, and I'm learning to deal with that. But now I'm I have, I feel like I have some balance, and now I'm switching to the positive side. Um, I got into martial art. I was given um, permission by the VA to do it because I didn't want to be on meds because I was having suicide, suicidal ideation. I was in Tampa, you know, in their ward for a weekend. When I get out, and I said, that's it. I, I got to do something. You know, I always found myself in a gym training to the point where I couldn't move, like walking up the steps. My knees are killing me, everything. I'm like, why do I do this? But it was releasing that endorphins, I guess you could say, or just releasing that pent-up anxiety and all that anguish. And it felt good. So then I took a jujitsu class that opened up a whole new can of worms. Got permission to stay with that because it is a submission sport. You can technically get hurt. Doctor said we're well, just gonna have you go to a lot. More. I go to counseling quite a bit to monitor because you know I'm not on meds. Um, but you know I love going because talking about it actually finds help helps me out more. And um, I compete a lot. And the competing. It's like I'm going to that source. I don't like to fight, but I do it. It's, it, and I do very well at it. I don't know if it's because it's the fight or flight thing. You know, I'm, uh, I'm having flashbacks, but literally when I'm in the pit ready to go, I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing this for? And then once I do it and I win, I'm just like, I feel like I have a second chance at life kind of thing. Hopefully you understand, you know, where I'm coming from. Um, you know, 42 and just now I feel like I'm an inspirational, um, kind of thing for people, vets and non-vets, and it feels great, and I feel I have a responsibility, uh, to push even harder and, and do it to, you know, if I can't walk anymore and I just can't fight anymore, I'm just, hopefully I paved the way for other people and Marines and military personnel alike to do it too. Um, because it can be done, it's just, it just takes a lot of willpower. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I just, you know, I don't really want to like talk about like, you know, so much negative stuff. You know, pat me on my back and go, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry." You know, I'm at the point right now. What I want to do is I want to use use this and harness it in a good way, and that's all I want to do. And um, push to fight, to be that role model. I mean, you're like what you're doing is great. I saw that. I'm like, man, that's amazing, man. He was on MSG. I'm like, I wanted to do that, but I didn't get past the period valves, man. You know what could have, should have, would have. But the reality is, now I can make my impact. And start here, you know, even though I'm, I can't work and do stuff, you know, maybe there's something I can do. Like right now, sitting here talking to you, you know, and being on a couple of news stations and newspapers, I feel like I'm actually doing work. You know, like now my disability check act- is actually going towards actually giving back. And um that's what I want to continue to do.
0: Wonderful. So, um you know, I. Yeah, I know you don't want to like focus on the on the negative things, but I would like to talk to you about the sure. suicide ideation that you had because I, I think that's what other veterans can really learn from. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, okay. yeah, like tell us, um like how far separated were you from the Marine Corps? I mean, was suicide ideation something you have always suffered from or did it, yeah. did it occur later on?
1: No, uh, It occurred later on. Um, I was more angry, and I think that was more of the PTSD in the yeah. early stage. Now, I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but I can tell you that I would rage. Like I would have uh, something would trigger something, like the fights that I had, or the, you know, being threatened. I mean, court-martialed, and like or if somebody came at me a certain way, like I would be, ah, you know, like you know. Then after I hit rock bottom, it was more. I found myself crying a lot more. Um, you know, what if I'm not here? You know, you know, I need to set an example. Like I actually, at one point, I was like, man, what do I need me to do? Do what my my father did, you know, and I want Like I've gotten to the point where I said I'm going to write every news station a letter, uh, you know. And after I did what I wanted to do, you know, I told the doctors I'm like, you know, and and, and be an example, like set an example, you know, for turning their backs because like this is real. Um, but I would have to say it was after I got fired the last time. From the company, you know, before they went bankrupt, because they were still in business, but they just let me go. And when I drove across the country six times, thinking I can, you know, I was running away from things. And uh, Vegas is when it really hit. And then I got that phone call, and I said, "All oh, right, I have some money coming in, but I still had nothing in my life. I felt empty, lost, um, no sense of." belonging, you know, no family. I've severed relationships. I'm sure there's veterans out there, family members I do not talk to. It's just me and my dog. Um, I still have some of those moments here and there now, but now that things have coming out and I'm talking about it more, it's not as, it's not as prevalent, I guess you could say it's not as bad, but you know, like this today, like the lady basically telling me, you know, she lied to me. Like I just took to such personal offense, you know, I'm like, what do, what do they need from me? What, what do they need from us? What do they want? Like, you know, this is this is severe, man. This is, we're talking about thousands of people like me. And, you know, and I always want to be that role model. But, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've been there or, you know, other vets that have interviewed, but it's just, it's really hard to explain. It's just when it comes on my gut, I get that. Butterfly, kind of like gut wrenching, like and the next thing you know, like I'll be in a gym working out. One time I was working out in a gym and I was crying, like and then I just had to hide my tears, you know. And I was killing myself in a the gym. Then I went to practice and then, you know, did jiu-jitsu for two hours straight. And the next day I couldn't even walk. But you know, you have those moments um, with the meds. When I was on the meds, I just felt. Phew.
0: Did you did you ever attempt suicide?
1: No, I. I had thoughts. I mean, I actually physically did it, but I walked in all shaking and, you know, and they said, we're going to keep you. And I said, okay. Like, I was just kind of like, I don't even know how to describe my state, but I didn't actually have like something in my hand or was going to, like, I just, it just happened. I felt this thing and I got on 54. I was in Tampa because that's the road and I just drove straight to the ER. And, um you know, I was just kind of like shaking and stuff. So, and then they just put me on these, strong pills and I think I slept pretty much like the whole time I was in there and um you know I get out I was just like you know they would just call me every day and you know I was in a gym and then I just got involved with the jiu kind of thing you know to uh, occupy some of my time um but I never actually had a, a you know something in my hand or actually you know try to do it but the thought was definitely there you know um I don't know I don't know what that pushing point is you know um but it's it's something that was on my mind you know and a lot uh, i'm not going to lie um but i don't know what to tell you i mean like i, I you know maybe i'm just a little I'm trying just a little bit more resilient in certain ways like i'm like i can't do this i got to hang in there i got to hang in there yeah um, yeah you know what i mean it's it's really, you know it's really hard to answer that because i when it's happening to me and i'm like i just it's it's the worst feeling in the world like uh, my speech is erratic um I was just like all across the board like they sent me actually copies of you know my medical records cause I like to keep them for social security because I get that and I got through maybe a paragraph that was on there and it's just like oh my god I'm like I'm not going to read this like I'm like Jesus Christ like that. look at my state that I was in you know what I mean it was like that Um I have it but I choose not to read it because it hurts you know it hurts you know because at times I want to be normal and You know, I am normal, but I'm not normal. I mean, I have, I can, you know, two conditions or whatever, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, um, you know, the best I can. And, um, you know.
0: So, so, you know, tell, um, you know, when you were, you know, you said you were just angry. What, what do you, what were you specifically angry at? Like, was there, was there a certain memory that kept on haunting you? Was it just, um, was it just disbelief that you had to suffer such a traumatic childhood? Like what were you I so have, angry at?
1: I'd have to say it's a con well, I don't think it was the disbelief at that juncture, but I think most of the time when people would come at me in a condescending manner or a threatening way, mm-hmm. I I felt like I was gonna be hit or attacked. Um and it brought back memories. Like I still have dreams of getting in trouble in the Marine Corps and I'm like trying to justify my dream. I remember one time having a dream saying, I'm sorry, sir, it's not my fault. You know, I'm trying and, you know, you know, I got, you know, they beat some of them put me in a gear lock and I got jumped, you know, like, um, and then I have dreams of, you know, just my mom getting beat and then me getting thrown down the stairs kind of thing. It's just weird. But when, when somebody comes at me a certain way, I don't even know how to sometimes even decipher like, you know, well, what's the exact trigger. It's just like, I'll just be like, wanting to go at them to defend myself, like, you know, like, you know, like you're trying to, like I was a beat up dog, like, you know, like, uh, it's hard. Um, some of it could be more in an emotional way. If somebody comes at me in an emotional way, it makes me feel like I'm sick. And I'm like, you know, I want to prove to people that I'm that, you know, this is a condition. And it's not my fault kind of thing. Um, you know, that upsets me, like, you know, sometimes I can't even watch uh, or should I say, when I see social media, like, you know, you'll see, like, these shirts, uh, dysfunctional veterans standing my way because I'll cut you. And that makes me sad because, you know, upset because I'm like, dude, this is like, why would you, that's like, mo- is it mocking or whatever? It's like, it's not a joke, man. This is, this is real. Like, and stuff like that, I guess, gets me upset. Um, and it's a very hard question, man, Tim, I'll tell you because, um, when it happens, I don't realize till after it's, it, it's, it's happened what I've done or what I've said to people. Um, I've actually done stuff. I'll give you an example. Um, a Marine friend that I served with and lived with for 10 years, he triggered me somehow. Uh, and I ran in the living room and I laid him out. And I knocked him out and left him in the, in the kitchen. I mean, uh, in the living room. I went in the kitchen, sat down and finished eating my food. As I, I'm shaking, I got blood on me. And stuff. And my shirt's ripped off. Um, it was in the summertime, uh, and I'm like, uh, you know, after this, he after he came to, he came in the house, and he called his parents. I got kicked out of the house, um, severed that relationship. Now we talk, but I can never gain regain that that confidence with him again, or have that same type of camaraderie, you know, whatever, because I hit him, and you know, I went, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But it's just whatever he said, and I just ran in there and just pummeled him, and when i think about it it disgusts me because that's not who i really want to be you know um it's just hard man it's hard <laughs> yeah it's hard um to yeah. to, to it's, you know and i think that
0: i think that's something that everybody can can agree on you know dealing with um dealing with, dealing with these types of conditions and you know the the sort of behavior that uh that they sort of trick you into <laughs> into um into having it's not right. it's not easy
1: I'll be frank with you. Like, when I'm talking to you now, we're having a great conversation, but I'm a little nervous right now because, um, you know, for years, like, when I would go to the VA, I'd be in denial. I'm like, yeah, I just, they're like, well, you, do you spend a lot of money? I'm like, that's one of the, uh, traits, not the traits, one of the, um, symptoms. I'm like, what American doesn't, you know, like, I was just very confrontational. I'm like, we have a national debt crisis. I'm like, everybody's in debt. So, like, you know, it was bad. They're like, do you do drugs? I'm like, well, I did ecstasy. That was it. Never, never smoked marijuana, never did coke, I don't drink, I don't do any of that. Um, but then I the, the hardest thing for me was to come to the realization that the diagnosis is correct. And I can either, you know, uh, be a, not to say be a baby about it, but, you know, sulk. But I'm like, you know what, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to try to do the best I possibly can as a human being and try to, I mean, is it going to go away? Probably not, but I can try to keep it at bay and just being around the right people positive people people who are gonna understand my situation and I'll tell you what since I've come out with my stuff I tell everybody not that I want people to go oh my god no I just tell people so they have an understanding so they understand that if I have a moment or I say something that irrational'll come at them like I have a good friend of mine I said something yes to him yesterday and I said I'm sorry dude you know how you know he goes I know man he goes I know you're just you're you're who you are I get you you're a good man you're a good man I said I'm sorry it's just I sometimes I don't realize what I say or what I do. It's because, you know, what I went through and stuff like that. And um, and I don't use it as a crutch. Trust me. I, and and um, I just want to continue to do what I'm doing. Like I said, I'm honored to have you help maybe help me out while I'm helping you and just you know help other veterans and non-veterans people to come out. And I tell you what, it's a great feeling because. I have people constantly sending me messages of support on Facebook and I interact and it's great. It makes me feel special in certain ways that I can help and maybe, you know, they can tell, come out and tell their stories and seek help too because there's a lot of people out there, man. And, um, you know, that's, that's all I want to do.
0: Yeah. So have you, I mean, so you've accredited, you know, your, um, your training in jujitsu as a way of being therapeutic for you. Right. Uh, you know, have you, have you ever instructed and have you ever thought about holding a class for other, uh, other people and, and, and showing them not only, and not just train them in the art, but then showing them how they can use that in a therapeutic fashion like yourself?
1: Yes, um, I've thought about it, but I'm at that juncture right now, sir, where I want to just keep the battle going, earn my black belt, um, because it's very tough, like right now to even think about teaching. I mean, later on, but the, my battle right now is, To get to my brown belt, which, you know, I'm getting a lot closer to, and then the next one is black. And then from there I can go, you know what, I made it, because the attrition rate to black belt is 97%. I'm in the 18% bracket of a purple belt. It goes, um, white, blue, purple, brown, and black. I got two stripes on my purple belt, which, and I don't like to talk about, you know, it's just one of the things we don't do, talking about promotions, but I'll probably be a black belt in six months to a year. And then maybe a year after that, two and a half years, two years, I could be a black belt. Um to me it's like you know trying to attain a PhD if my hard I mean 97% attrition rate it's like trying to be a Navy SEAL like you know my friend's a Navy SEAL and I look up to him and he's an animal he's a great kid and um he's a role model for me because he is a Navy SEAL I mean he's a rarity and I wanted to be a SEAL but I was an average swimmer so and I don't like the ocean too much so <laughs> but uh I know what it takes to do that and I became a marine and I love being a marine but you know, like I said you know um, I was a pain in, the, pain in the tush, I guess you could say, uh, for many years. But here's the good thing. I didn't tell you this, but, you know, I started trying to do right and do my best. Uh, I got meritorious promoted to corporal. Uh, I got two two meritorious masks, three letters of commendation, and I got a Navy Achievement Medal. Um, and you know what? To me, that was to do that in about a year, you know, year and a half, was made me feel good. I tried, and they saw me trying They just, you know— Making, trying to make those changes, but it was a battle, and I, I did it. And I got out honorably, and um, but to get back to the teaching and jujitsu, I also, you know, I do boxing and I do other stuff. So my thing is, I don't want to tell Marines or just military personnel, non-military personnel, well, if you don't do jujitsu or martial art, you're not going to be rehabilitated. If it's something that makes you feel great, whether it's playing chess, shuffleboard, or, or something. Do it, please, because you know what? Occupying the mind and being happy, I do, I do find, does help out in being surrounded by good people. The camaraderie that I get with my training partners, I think, is another reason why um, I have a little bit of that balance because they understand. My head instructor, and I want to delve into his personal things, but he's a primary. He's 42. He's my age, and he's a cop, and he was shot, and he has PTSD. So when I joined his school, I just left my old school to go to them because it's a better quality school. It's more high level, tougher guys. And I need that. I need to be pushed. Um, because the butt kickings that I get actually help tame me a little bit more because when I get manic, sometimes, you know, when you have, I don't know if you know much about manic and hypomania, manic states, uh, with bipolar, um, you have a state of euphoria where you feel like you can accomplish anything. And I'll be multitasking, trying to do so much at one shot. And, uh, Sometimes when you're manic, you can have an, like an outbreak where, you know, you might get into confrontation because you feel um, it's like you're unstoppable. When I go to jiu-jitsu, it, it, it puts me in check, especially if I'm rolling with a high-level black belt and he torments me for, for five-minute rounds. And it, it helps out a lot, man. It does. It does. Um, so, yeah, getting back to it, I would love to maybe later on. But right now, I want to continue the battle, continue to fight and do right. And, um, you know, let's worry about that. You know, when that happens, you know, because teaching could probably help me out too, you know, because I'm in a position where, you know, people are, well, maybe I have, I can train prior military and they relate and, you know, I can do like what I did for me, I can do for them. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Right. Wonderful. So, Robert, I know a lot of people come into come into these, you know, with an idea, sort of what they want to get across, the message that they have. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure gets out there to to the audience?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, like I said, I mean, wow, I I don't really want to give a directive, but I'm saying, like, what would I like? I would just like to um, the public, you know, when we can we we can share this. My goal would be is to you know, have the general populace, people who really, maybe never even served understand, um, you know, how deep this is. And I want, would like to try to get to a point where I can be a uh, a public figure uh, nationally. I mean, I'm just not, I don't want this to be about me, but I want to be that ambassador. Um, but, you know, an end, or, you know, how can I explain this? I want to end the head-turning with certain issues. And like we were talking about in the beginning, you know, there's other people out there that have discerning stories and stuff like that. But to me, because I'm fighting this battle, this is big. I want to push to the point where, you know, we can get, uh, you know, the community can receive, uh, the proper attention that that's what I want to get out of it. Um, like I, I'm just going to give you an example. Um, I called the VA three times where I filmed that if they could just share my piece, our piece, on their social media. Oh, I thought you shared it. Oh, I'm going to share it. Hasn't been shared yet. And I called and I said, ma'am, please. She goes, I'll get it done. And I don't know if it's just being lazy or whatever, but, you know, I filmed at the VA hospital for a reason. Like, you know, to, you know, show veterans in the community at the source, you know, you know, uh, what I'm trying to do for them, but also help them, you know, and these people who, run the institution, whatever you want to call, didn't even really attempt to let anybody know about it. So it just frustrates me a little bit. And I'm sure you understand where I'm going with that. But, um, I just kind of scratch my head and I go, you know what, what do I got to do in order to help people? You know, how much more can I possibly do? I've been on two news stations, ABC and Fox, multiple newspapers. And, um, if this ESPN happens, hopefully I'll find out Monday. Um, the German Max, who did my article, like I said, um, says the presentation's looking pretty good. Maybe that'll help out a lot more. And I can get to a point where, you know, I'm gonna be heard no matter what. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's, that's what I wanna do. Like, you know, I almost wanna be like the police, if you know what I mean. That, that, that's, that's what I wanna do. I
0: love it when a guest just knows what they wanna say. You know, I, I love it when, uh, they come, they come to the table just ready to, Share their story, and they have a message, and they want to get it out there. Robert clearly uh, is that person, so I, th- I definitely have to thank Robert for for coming uh, just with such a powerful message and with such willingness to to step out there and try to become an inspiration, become a role model, and uh, trying to reach out and and helping other veterans. My nonprofit recommendation uh, for the week. Um, I'm, you know, for those of you that may be, uh, new to the program each week, um, each, uh, month, I sort of choose a, a nonprofit that, you know, I want other people to be aware of because I get a lot of people coming forward and say, Hey, I want to, I want to donate my time. I want to donate my resources. I want to, you know, I want to, I'm going to monetarily support organizations that are doing good things for veterans. And, uh, so, you know, I, I want to make sure that everyone is aware um, of, of these organizations that I think that are doing good work and definitely deserve uh, our time and our energy. I've mentioned the Soldiers Project. I've mentioned Team Rubicon. This week I'm going to talk about Stop Soldier Suicide. Uh, their website is stopsoldiersuicide.org. Uh, they've partnered with, uh, with some amazing organizations like Given Hour uh, and, uh, and Hampton Roan's Hyperbaric Therapy and, and other ways of just being able to, to provide uh, veterans with just the, the, the help that they need. Uh, and like, like many of the organizations that I talk about on this show, this is another one where, uh, you know, veterans sort of come forward, say, hey, I need some help and, uh, you know, stop soldier suicide. And they will sort of bridge that gap between the veteran and a mental health, uh, um, and, and the mental health care that they, uh, professional that they can get in touch with and be able to get that care that they need. So, uh, StopSocialSuicide.org. Check them out and, uh, you know, see if maybe they, they're an organization that you would like to, to get behind. I thank everybody for listening. I know it's, uh, it's a challenge to listen to uh, a weekly podcast about, uh, suicide and emotional health and these stories, you know, can sort of be mentally and emotionally taxing. I appreciate, uh, you taking the time to listen. If you want to follow follow the project more, get involved. One too many project dot com o n e the number two many project dot com. we so can go for my resources, sign up for the newsletter, listen to more podcasts, etc. Thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow with my momentary reflections.